0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen, amen, amen. Can you open your Bibles, please, to James chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 16 to 18. James chapter 1, continuing in our series here. Our sermon title today is this, the goodness of God. The goodness of God, the goodness of God. He indeed is so good. Um, In recent years... Though, there's been an evident shift of how Christianity is portrayed in media and entertainment. Not only are these mediums mocking Christianity, which is really nothing new, but in recent days there's been an increase of trying to portray Christianity or Christ himself um, as evil. Many attempts trying to portray Christianity against Christ as sources of hate, or bigotry, or the restraint of self-expression, or getting in the way of self-worship. Last weekend, Super Bowl, there was an ad campaign, which actually I'm very, very encouraged by. It's called He Gets Us. Maybe you've seen that. And I was pretty amazed. Uh, They secured, you know, among many different advertising windows, but in the Super Bowl, which cost millions, of course, but He Gets Us is... I've uh, been brought together by a Christian ministry uh, seeking to encourage the truth about Jesus Christ in his love, his truth, his grace, and his compassion that if anyone gets us in this world, his name is Jesus Christ. And that's the intent of this advertising campaign, how we're following the Super Bowl ad. One of the political figures in the United States, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she uh, tweeted uh, referencing that Super Bowl ad is likening Jesus to fascism. And so just that's just, just, just categorically, of course, false and untrue, but that's kind of not surprising. That's where our world is going these days. Now, what I love about our God, though, I love about our God, he's taken a few shots over the years, and uh, he's doing just fine. He's doing just fine today, and he's not concerned, does not worry for even a millisecond. What he's also done, though, in these attempts to malign Christ and to cause people to think falsely about Christian faith what God has done he's given us his word and the reason his word of course is so valuable because his word is used to cleanse ourselves of the corruption and the lies of our world and to renew our minds to what is actually true that we would continue to follow Christ with purity and fidelity and integrity that's what James does in our text today Um, Evidently, people were believing wrong things about God. So what James is doing by the help of the Holy Spirit, he's correcting or cleansing false thinking to lead people to truth, specifically this, uh, in the reality of the goodness, the character, the, the quality, the beauty of our God. So that's where he starts. Look at verse 16. He starts with, do not be deceived my beloved brothers, do not be deceived. And then he continues on, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, awesome, that we should be a kind of first fruits. Of his creatures. So notice again here, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers or sisters. So, beloved here is a term of affection. James in this letter is appealing for truth. And some of the things he says are kind of hard to digest. It's clear, it's blunt, but listen, he says, listen, I love you. Uh, My beloved brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to you in truth but I love you as I do. If I did not love you, I would not speak truth to you. But because I love you and care for you, and I have so much affection for you, I desire for you to not be deceived, that you might know the truth, because as the truth that sets you free. It's interesting. Do not be, notice the word deceived. Deceived in the original conveys a sense of wandering. Um, It's like in verse six, James also mentioned those who doubt are like a wave tossed in the sea. It's very similar to that. Do not be deceived. And isn't that the great danger of our day? As the hymn says, so many, we we all are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave, leave the God I love. So many in our day have been led astray from the truth of God in the Bible because of the bombardment of lies in our world that we face every single day. I mean, just think of what the school's, are saying, our workplaces are saying, the media are saying. They are absolutely flooded with deception that are telling us lies about God and lies about his word. They are blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ in so many circumstances that are trying to make people be deceived that they might wander away from the truth of the character of our holy God. That is why we cannot be deceived, beloved brothers and sisters. Especially, you could argue now, more than ever in this nation. We must be rooted in what is true, and especially when it comes down to the character and the goodness of the God that we belong to. So it's very important time right now. Listen, listen, we, we must not listen to the board of, edu- of education and what they tell us about who our God is. We must not listen to that. They don't know who our God is. We must not listen to the media and start explaining to us who our God is. We must not listen to people who don't know our God and tell us who he is. We must listen to God and what God says about who God is. And how do we do that? From his word. From his word, we, we, we must be people of the book. If not, we will be deceived and be led astray and wander away from that which is most critical to our lives, our well-being, and the very blessing rooted in the very goodness of God. So an incredibly important time. And yet it just it it, it grieves my heart that you have professing believers that are putting more attention to the things of the world and what they say as opposed to what God has so clearly said. And this is another way we get to do this today. We're not interested in the world. We're interested in God. We're interested in his book. We're interested in his truth. And he's going to speak to us today specifically about his character today and who he truly is. And so this is a opportune time for us. It's exciting, but it's under the banner, do not be deceived, church. You're here right now, maybe sitting in overflow. You're watching online. Do not be deceived. Do not wander away from what? Number one, do not be deceived on this. Our God is the giver of all good gifts. Our God alone is the giver of all good gifts. So verse 16, do not be deceived, I love you so much, brothers and sisters. Verse 17, every, don't be deceived on this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The main point of verse 17 is is clear. Listen, listen, God is and can only be the source of all things good. I want you to think about that, and I want you to just for a second meditate on that. God is... And can only be the source of all things good. Now in our context, some were tempted to think that God is responsible for tempting them with evil. That's verse 13. We understood that, Pastor Nathan's great sermon last week, and that's impossible. God cannot tempt us with evil because God is only good. God's character is a hundred percent perfectly filled with goodness and with generosity. I want us to see, again, the abundant generosity of the character of God that we're learning about right here, again, in our text today. Verse 17, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. So loved ones, again, here, understand. The heart of your God is to bless. We're learning that right now. The character of our God is to shower with love. Uh, uh, His heart is to give. His heart is to pour out favor and love. That is the heart of our every good, not some, every good gift, every perfect good comes down from above from the Father of lights. Let us remind ourselves right now, this this is the God to whom we belong to. Our God is the source of everything good, right? Like always remember, everything he does is good. Everything he commands is good. If he commands it in the book, it is good. It is for our ultimate blessing and for his glory. He's incapable of doing bad. It's impossible for him to command something negative or to command something that results in evil or bad. He cannot do that. Whatever we hear from him, every single command is designed for our good, from his good leading to his glory. What are you listening to in our day? What are the things that people are telling you contrary to the reality? God can only do what is good. And of course, this all starts from the very beginning. fundamentally and foundationally established in creation. Everything that God created, Genesis 1 and 2, it was declared by him to be good. Why was it good? Because God did it. Because God did it, that is why. Uh, You can put it this way, God never bakes burnt cookies. Never. Everything he does is good. Wouldn't you know it? that, um, just, just trying to find a way to phrase that, you know, on Thursday, wherever it was, wrote that down. He never, he never messes up a batch of cookies. I, I kid you not, it was Friday, Friday. I made cookies for the first time in a while. Had some frozen kind of stuff. We had an air fryer at home and I just forgot the temperature setting and I put it too high, came back and the cookies were burned. Like, there we go again, fail, totally fail. God never does that. He never does that. Perfect, that's perfect. God never bakes a batch of imperfect cookies. He's incapable of making mistakes. Now, the only exception to this in the creation account, I just want to point this out, which is the only exception to this was when God saw that man was alone. And God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So I will make a helper fit for him. Then the woman was created. Male and female were created. Listen, in the genius and design of God, male and female were created. Do not be deceived by the messaging of our day. God is the giver of all good gifts and the pinnacle of his blessed and good creation was the design for male and female who are made alone in the image of God. This is a reality and God said again, it was very good. Listen, when Adam first set eyes on Eve, he started singing, God is so good. God, right? I mean, he just knew it. I mean, the first recorded words of human beings in scripture is Adam looking at Eve and saying, this at last declared a burst of of excitement and joy, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. God has done again what is good because only, only God and only good can come from God. Even in our context from James thus far, God gives steadfastness. God gives joy. God gives wisdom. God grants inheritance. God gives us the crown of life. God gives us his Holy Spirit. God grants us life eternal. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. You see that phrase coming down too. This is a participle and it's suggesting a continuous and repeated action. So God continues, again, his heart, the heart of God for our lives, heart of God for our souls. The heart of God is to continuously pour out lavish gifts upon his children day after day after day. You are here today. Do not be deceived in the false promises of our world. God alone is the giver of all good gifts and every perfect gift. Coming down, I love that, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no change. I saw that phrase, father of lights, never changes every good and perfect gift. You know, Jill and I on our wedding day, we sang, there's a worship song called Father of Lights. And we sang that song on our wedding day almost 23 years ago now. And I just, like, I haven't, many of you may not even know that song. I, I looked it up again this week, and I started listening to it. It's by Vineyard, and it's such a blessing for us. A little side note here. At our wedding, I didn't, I didn't know, but Pastor Cliff, his, his jazz band, played at our wedding, and they led us in worship Father of Lights. And then several years later, I would have actually met Pastor Cliff officially. Whatever. Just a side note. I thought that was really neat, the way the Lord uses that. And so here we are. But Father of Lights, you never change. You have no turning. Uh, Father of lights, again, uh, understanding every good and perfect gift. And just the reason Jill and I love that song at our wedding day was like was like whether it's the sun that was shining, whether it was the grass that was green, whether it was the friends and family gathered around, whether it was the sense of joy, whether it was the love that you felt in surrounding, whether it was the grace of God and being joined in marriage, whether it was the food you're going to enjoy after the wedding ceremony, whatever, just any, 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 anything good in that day is not us, it's Him. Every single ounce of good, every good gift, every perfect gift, anything that you can find in your life under the definition of good, it's not you, it's not me, it's the Lord. Like, I encourage you today, like, look around. Any good, like, your heart beating right now. That's good. That's the Lord. You have an awareness of Jesus Christ. I mean, you are saved in Jesus Christ. That's a perfect gift. We'll get there in a second. Any good that you can see of any kind in any way, every good gift and perfect gift is the Father's heart lavishing upon you his love and grace and kindness. That is not deserved by us, but he loves He loves to give it. This is the character of our God. He is the giver of all good gifts. Let me learn this secondly. The goodness of our God, our Father of lights, is unchanging. He is unchanging. Again, look at verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow Due to change. So our exceedingly generous God now is called here, notice, the Father of lights. This is the only time that phrase is used in Scripture. Lights here almost certainly refers to the heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and the stars. And our God is the Father of them all. I just couldn't let this pass by here in this part of the message. I just want to take some moment for glory and awe. Given to our Father of lights regarding creation, the Father of lights, the stars in the sky. Do you know that there are enough stars in the universe that every person on Earth, I think this is probably underestimated, but there scientists say there are enough stars in the universe that every person on Earth would personally own 13 billion? You know, scientists estimate there are the same number of stars in the universe as grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. So my joke is: last time I was at the beach, I had a couple thousand stars between my toes, right? I mean, that's just the 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 massive. F- trying to fathom the infinite, creating work uh, upon our God as well. Just some just some other stats for you, just to kind of hurt your head. How many stars are in the universe? Another way to look at: it, our Milky Way has about one hundred billion stars. So that's a lot, but then there are about two trillion galaxies you know, give or take several hundred million or whatever it is, in the universe. So therefore, a modest estimate of total number of stars is 200 sextillion. How much is that? I don't know, man. It's this right here. Look at that. Look at that. 200 sextillion. So one of the ways we try to put things so we can maybe... So this is about, I stress about, 10 times the number of cups of water in all the oceans uh, of Earth. Can you imagine? One, two three like just try it ten times just just it's just it's awe-inspiring this is our God maybe go back to that slide of the stars there and just to look at that and some of these pictures that just kind of you know I man, I love looking up at a starry sky and what's the point of this God is the father of them all Jesus Christ is Lord of them all And what's the main point of this reference in our text here? It's this, the unparalleled power of our God, the Father of lights, but most importantly this, the one who is unchanging, doctrinally speaking, he is immutable, he does not change. Verse 17, there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, the reality is the lights, the stars of the universe are constantly changing and aging and moving, But our God is unchangeable in nature, his perfections, his purposes, his promises, and gifts. Our God is holy. He's incapable of turning to evil. He is light and therefore will never ever be darkness. In him there is no darkness, no darkness at all. So this is massive encouragement for us here in terms of the goodness of God. Our God is unchanging, but we live in a world that changes every single day. There's so much mass confusion right now. There's no stability. There's constant chaos. We live in a time now where your truth and your truth is based on how you feel that given day. Like that's the world we're living in now. You can wake up and decide your truth is one day and then Tuesday you wake up and your truth is changed. And it's all based on how you feel. That's how truth is being defined. That is a recipe of absolute disaster because we're losing the very basis and anchor and foundation of our entire society and soul and well-being of that which got us here in the first place. Not surprisingly, just this past week, a large... CDC study came out testifying to incredibly high rates of teenage girls specifically feeling high high levels of forms of sadness and suicidal thoughts. One of the headlines is quote never before seen levels of hopelessness, sadness and suicidal thoughts. Among teenage girls, of course, the boys are struggling too, but the girls even more. Never seen before levels of sadness, hopelessness, and suicidal thoughts among teenage girls. When will our world admit their ways do not work? Will there just be another excuse upon excuse upon excuse? The further we push away from the character and goodness of God, the more devastating the results will become. God promised us so. Interestingly, in this study too, there's a disproportionate amount of LGBTQ plus teenagers who are intensely struggling with the same levels of hopelessness, suicidal thoughts, and deep depression and despair. And the world will say, well, that's because of the stigma. Or is it because you are feeding young people with promises that will never be able to be delivered upon and you are deceiving them into thinking there's a path that will lead to satisfaction, but it's actually moving them further and further away from the very foundation of life and the goodness of God found in Jesus Christ and to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When will our world admit its ways are not working. See, but here's the thing. We ultimately live in a battle of, of, of light versus darkness, of good versus evil. Satan will never, ever admit because he doesn't, he doesn't care about truth. He just wants to kill people and that's the ultimate source behind what's happening in our day and so our job with boldness and courage and love and grace and humility and affection for Jesus Christ is to, is to say what is true with love and gentleness, but to say what is true about the actual character and goodness of our God, the unchanging nature of our God, and to say to our people, to young people, to the culture at large, listen, you can belong to a God who never, ever changes. You can have a truth that is infinitely and eternally secure you can belong in the family of God and be absolutely certain of your destiny and your future and your purpose and your meaning and your joy and your love and your status forever. But you won't find that into the ever-changing world. You will only find that in the ultimate unchanging perfection of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit by believing by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The goodness of God, again, in his unchanging nature, this, this is what we are commissioned, again, to do. Do not be deceived, church. The gifts you need are from God above. He alone is the source of all blessing. So one of the things we have to do, listen, listen some of you here right now, some of you here right now, here's a sentence for you. Based on God's word, stop, stop drinking from the sewer. It's time to receive from the fountain of life. Jesus Christ is the only one who could dispense living water. And some of you are here right now. Maybe you're sitting over floor right now. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He says, my child, it's time to stop again living in the gutter and trying to get your satisfaction from that which will never satisfy. It is time now to trust and receive the grace of Jesus Christ forgiveness of sins life eternal that you may begin to experience to encounter and to live by the very fountain of life again only found In the Lord Jesus Christ, the goodness of God. We need to hold up the goodness of God. He's the giver of all good gifts. His goodness is unchanging. And thirdly and finally, this we we learn this He brought us forth to eternal life. He brought us forth to eternal life. Look at verse 18. Verse 8 Of His own will, God, Father of lights, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits. Of his creatures, so notice right away. Love this verse. He brought us forth. That's the same word in the Greek as verse fifteen. Verse fifteen, um, where it says, uh, "Give birth." Same word. So let's let's contrast verse fifteen with verse eighteen. Okay. Verse fifteen, we learned again last week. Sin ultimately gives birth to death. Evil desires lead to the birth of sin, sin left unchecked will ultimately bring forth, give birth to death, eternal separation from God. That's why sin is such a massive problem. But in verse 18 now, same word used, notice, but it's God who brought us forth, who gave birth to us spiritually now, through what? Through the word of truth. What's the word of truth? It's the gospel. we just saying about the gospel for the message right now. There is one gospel in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so you want to talk about a good and perfect gift? How about the gospel? How about victory over death? How about life eternal? You want to talk about a good and perfect gift? How about when you are saved in Jesus Christ by grace through faith, by believing in him, then God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? That's a pretty good gift. How about when you're saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have received his love, which will never ever be separated from you ever. You are adopted into the family of God. You are absolutely, again, perfectly secure as a child of God because of what Jesus Christ did. That's a a pretty good gift. How about, too, the reality of Jesus Christ? I mean, the very gift, the gift of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to talk about a perfect gift? I mean, often when I'm you know, in musical worship here within our church, I often just stare up and look at the cross right there. And I I just want to, I got to remind myself, you know, on a daily basis, I got to relive the gospel to say, my Savior hung on a cross. He was nailed to that cross. He was mocked and spit upon and scourged. And he ultimately was nailed there to die this horrific death. Why? For me, for my sin. For my sin, he bore the wrath of God in my place. He took on the punishment I deserved for my sins. He was absolutely, again, horrifically treated and crucified. And the world went dark. And he said, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the father turns his face away. And the earthquakes and all that stuff. And all that, why? Because God sent his son as a gift, a gift, a perfect gift to die for my sins so I would not have to face hell and eternal separation from him. It's humbling, it's humbling to see clearly the cross and what it represents and what, and what Jesus did and every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father sending his Son to dwell on earth, to live a perfect life, to die a horrific death, to be raised from the dead, that you and I could receive everlasting life. Only Jesus Christ can give that gift. And that's the only gift that results in eternal life. I just, I wonder, man, when's the last time that you and I have maybe just taken a moment to stop and put away the, the desire for the things around us, the material things, whatever it is, and just, and just look up at the Lord and say, Father, I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. When's the last time we've done that? Like truly, and hearts were feeling that. I, th- I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus Christ. What, what else do we want? Like, what else do we need? Father, forgive us for longing for all these other things. Yet at the core, we've been given infinite worth through faith and receiving the grace of Jesus Christ and the gift of your son. This thing through Christ. The forgiveness of sins, every last sin forgiven. And then look at, look at the end of verse 18. He says that we should be a kind of first fruits. So we were brought forth, we were given spiritual birth by the word of truth, the gospel, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Isn't that interesting? First fruits of his creatures. James is explaining here that the Lord has made Those of us who are saved in Christ as new creatures in Christ. We are a first fruit. Or at least in the first century, they were a first fruit. First fruit was a a farming term. It's a sample of the harvest to come. The farmer would come. It's a sample of the first fruits. Look, look, there's so much more to come. So James here is is speaking to first generation Christians and he's, he's explaining they are but the beginning of the harvest of those who would be reborn by grace through faith. And Jesus, and what, what I love, here we are 2,000 years later in a continent that James couldn't even fathom, a people he could not even possibly imagine, and so many of us are here right now, and we are the fulfilled promise of a greater harvest of eternal life. I mean, the goodness of God in granting us eternal life. Again, what else do we need? What else would we want? And listen, the Lord is not done. The Lord is not done. He continues to pour out his spirit. He continues to grant new life. Man, that we might be expectant that the Lord wants to do more among us. I want to encourage you too, man. Like some of the stories, we're at AGM this week. AGM is a church on Wednesday and we shared a bunch of stories of what God is doing right now in current days in our church. I mean, some of them are so crazy that it can only be explained by the Lord. God's sending people here just randomly driving down the road, driving into church, broken over. One guy was... Deathly afraid of a nightmare he had in terms of, anyways, the gospel share with him. Tears fill his eyes every time he hears about the sin, but then the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We have Indian families stumbling in our church, never heard the name of Jesus. Some in our church gave them a Bible. They come in. They are explaining the gospel. They are listening as fresh eyes, they've never heard about Jesus Christ. Are people being sent out to be used, to witness things. We've seen many, many people say through free and D. We have people say through our market. Again, Harvest Market just in the last couple of weeks as well. So thankful for that. Just so many different stories of how God is moving and causing people to receive eternal life. For those who know this world is not it. There is more than this world. And it's thrilling to see. And we say, oh God, would you, would you keep going? Would you not be done? Would you use this as the time? Would you reveal to us how much more you want to do? And then 10 days ago, there's a revival that breaks out in Kentucky in Asbury University. You know my heart, our heart, for revival, for renewal, to see the working of God. There's a good friend of our ministry, personally good friend too, Bill Eliff. He was there in person. I trust him as much as I would trust anyone. He's been blogging about this. He was there. He's blogging about it in detail. I believe what he says he is a humble, he is such a heart for revival. And you can look at BillElef.org, E-L-L-I-F-F.org, Bill Elef, And you can read his account. I encourage you to do that if you're not aware of this. I just want to read a few quotations of what was been happening about 10 days ago in Asbury University, how God began to move. This past Wednesday, so this is 10 days ago, this past Wednesday was different The students met for normal chapel on Wednesdays. After the benediction, the gospel choir began to sing a final chorus, and then something began to happen that defies easy description. Students did not leave. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence. They did not want to go. They stayed and continued to worship. They are still there. The quiet, precious movement of God continues into its 10th day or 11th day in Wilmore, Kentucky on the campus of Asbury University. This is not the first time an extended movement has occurred here. Similar movements happened in the 30s when a prayer meeting led by Stanley Jones lasted for many days. In the 50s, two other activities occurred, and in 1970, a chapel service extended for seven days and nights, and God used it as a catalyst to the nationwide revival called the Jesus Movement Reports are now coming in that multiple campuses across America are beginning to experience similar movements like Asbury, which have now filled all three auditoriums on campus. I got sent a video from Bill yesterday, and there's literally lineups for miles of people that are trying to get in to see what the Lord is doing. We also hear reports of churches experiencing last Sunday, that's a week ago, and this week, extraordinary stirrings of God's presence. Many people say that in the chapel, they hardly even realize how much time has elapsed. It is almost as though time and eternity blur together as heaven and earth meet. Anyone who has witnessed it can agree something unusual and unscripted is happening. Several students and recent alumni tell me that for several years, they have been praying together for a move of God, and they are thrilled beyond words to see what is happening. What I love about this, this is not a story of revival from 50 years ago, 150 years ago. It's a story of revival of right right now. It's like last week and, and still happening today. Church, I'm telling you again, if you've been part of this church for you know, just even a little while, you will know that we have a heart to see God do more because the only hope for our nation, our land, is an extraordinary moving of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm just begging you as I try to you know, plead with myself and see this, my faith starts to rise in the goodness of God. He is so generous He is so kind. He is so loving. He desires to pour water on thirsty land. But the key there, he pours water on land that thirsts for him. He desires to pour streams on the dry ground. So, Father, we ask you that this church at this time and this way would be used in an unusual way to pray to God, to seek God, to be hungry for God, to declare the goodness of God, to put ourselves aside and to love the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit church. He's so good. He is so good. The same God who paints a canvas, paints a canvas of a billion stars, and still he knows my heart. Amazing. Amazing.